Welcome to Feathers in My Hair, an Emotionally Broken Psycho's Patreon exclusive. Join me for the ultimate team mom deep dive. This is more than just a recap show. I'll scour the internet to bring you all the best drama that MTV didn't air. From police reports to deleted tweets, I've got the details on all the fights, breakups, and arrests of our favorite MTV train wrecks. If you think the moms bring the drama on TV, just wait until you hear what really happened. I'm your host, Liz Bentley. Hi, guys. Welcome back. Uh, Please excuse my voice if I sound a little messed up. I am knee-deep in my biannual sinus infection, so that's super fun. But I asked Jessie to come on this week, Feathers My Hair favorite, because there was no Teen Mom episode, and I thought it'd be fun to go back to the early seasons of Teen Mom 2, which is, in my uh, opinion, the golden age of television, if you will. Like, the first three or four seasons of Teen Mom 2 is so fucking good. We wanted to pick a Janelle-heavy episode, so we decided... To go back, and we were watching Teen Mom 2 Season 1, Episode 10, which, just a word of warning, on Amazon, for whatever reason, if you order that, it's going to give you an OG episode. (laughs) At work the other day, I literally sat on Amazon chat for like an hour trying to get this fixed. I was actually, they gave me the entire uh, Teen Mom 2 Season 1 for free for my effort (laughs) on Amazon, but it can be found on iTunes. It's just... For whatever reason, iTunes and Amazon is so annoying with how they uh, like they do their seasons in chronological order. So this is considered Teen Mom Volume 3, Episode 10, if you want to find it there. But everybody, welcome Jesse. Hi, Jesse. Hi, guys. Thank you for having me back. Oh, you're welcome. You know I love when you come on. Oh, I love it, too. I um, I spent way too long trying to find this episode. And I, like, didn't see your texts when you told me exactly what episode it was. <laughs> so it was, like, two hours just, like, Googling and, like, reading Wikipedia. And I'm like, where is season two? So, guys, it is really hard. If you go on iTunes, it's actually sold as season three, episode ten. Yeah. If anyone wants to watch it. It makes no sense. Not even season. They call them volumes. It makes no sense. Um and I was trying to figure out how there were 20 seasons of Teen Mom 2, like on Amazon. <laughs> it's like, this doesn't make any sense. Oh. And then I realized, and it's so, it's just, it's very frustrating. But that's where you find it. Uh, you can also, I don't think it's on the MTV website anymore, but I know it's on, like, no. if you have a Jailbroken Fire Stick or, like, Watch Series, I know it's on there. Um, I'll make sure to post the link maybe to the Watch Series in the Facebook uh, Facebook group if you're not in there come join but uh, I loved this episode fucking teen mom 2 early season is like fucking it invigorated me watching this episode I'll be honest like the last couple weeks as I'm sure you guys could tell OG has just been like slugging for me it not that much has been happening they've been playing out this fire this fair firing and it's a grind to do this podcast every week it's it's a grind to do any podcast I think like malls will regularly be doing like three or four podcasts a week and I'm like I don't know how you do that because it it can be a grind to do this and this episode like brought me back to fucking life I can feel your energy and excitement (laughs) all the way on the west coast good it was watching it it just 
I'm like, so much has happened. But and nothing. everything, but nothing at all. But yes. like their voices sound, mm-hmm. they were children. But I, I think the thing that blew me away throughout all of them was like how much their voices have changed. And I don't, I don't like, re- I haven't realized that when you, when you hear old Janelle, like yeah, a part of your heart just grows because it just is like, I can remember all my memories from that time. Cause Janelle's voice doesn't sound like that anymore. <sighs> What a time. What a time. So I want to start with Kale because for me, Kale was like, I was kind of blown away at this episode. Um, I think I, I have to be honest, like a lot of Kale's issues that she has today, rewatching this episode, I'm like, oh yeah, that's why she treats Joe like shit. This is why she like is the way that she is. Like a lot of the things that happened in this episode. So we start off in the episode before, we'll, I didn't rewatch it recently. I probably should have, but they, they let us know. So apparently in the episode before, you know, Kale has come clean about Jordan. She is, has decided to move out and Joe and her get into a huge fight, which results in the police coming because he won't give her her stuff. And I can't believe the police didn't just escort into the house and give her her stuff. I didn't understand that. Yeah, that's, is there any reason someone couldn't do that? I know. It do, it it doesn't make any sense. If you guys will remember, Joe had lent Kale $600 so that she could basically pay her tuition. Her mom didn't have it. Joe had lent it to her when she was still living with Joe. And Joe was basically like, you have to give me my money before you give me, before I'll give you my shit, which is incredibly immature. Um, I don't. If there's one thing for Kale that I will say is that I feel like Kale is like not the type of person to ever let a debt like hang over her head. You know what I mean? Like she, oh, yeah, I she, agree with that. She is not the person who's just not going to pay you back. Like Kale's going to pay you back because the thought of her being reliant on anybody is like so horrifying to her. <laughs> it goes that deep. You're right. Like I understand because I am the same way. Like, anyone lends me any amount of money it causes me such anxiety until I can pay them back and Kale is definitely that type of person yeah and now Kale's living with her mom who is very calm cool collected in this episode I will say this must have been like an upswing for Susie I feel like she had just gone out of rehab or something yeah or maybe actually what I was feeling is like maybe Susie had like eight months clean you know what I mean? Like, she has her own yeah. place. Like, she was able... The car Kale was driving was her old car. Maybe she had, like, a year. And was just, like, on... Also, I wouldn't be surprised surprised if Susie was just, like, never meant to be a mother or around children. And she was, like, terrible. And then when Kale was out of the house and, like, she had her shit together a little more, she was, like, able to deal with Kale. Oh, I don't... Well, I don't think they speak at all now. I think she's, like, full-blown alcoholic yeah they don't don't speak but I think at this time yeah like I think she was able to you know like when she was sober I think she was sober at this point she was sober in this episode I I I feel like I can I know that type of mom and I can tell the normal like and then like the drunk and like Susie wasn't drunk in this episode she was sober but yeah. i think in the next episode she is yeah they get it i think that's when kale has to move out 
because by season oh. two, episode one, she's like getting that uh, like section eight housing or not. Mm-hmm. It wasn't section eight. It was like through a nonprofit. Yeah, it was like low income, which to this day, I have a theory that MTV paid for that apartment and the nonprofit like came on as an agreement for like publicity for them. Like, I am pretty sure Kale, not that they were making, like, a shit ton of money from it, but I feel like it had to be enough to bump her out of, apparently they made, like, $25,000 her second season, and if she had a regular oh, job and was she... getting financial aid, I feel like she wouldn't qualify for that, but I it was good press for the nonprofit. That's a good point, yeah, because, like, at that age, you can basically live on nothing, especially when she's living in her small town. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so basically Kale tells us she's she goes she's with her two friends. One of them is Mark, who she's still friends with. And I miss Mark. I know, he lives in Atlanta. She saw him when she was there. I love him. he's he's the best friend she's ever had. I agree. And she's like telling them she's living with her mom, but she doesn't feel confident about it. She's like, Well, it's fine now which I think is Kale's she rightfully feels that way, but I still, I think she still feels that way about everything. Yeah, that's, I agree. It's sad. She has no confidence in her life. Yeah, I feel like she was probably more confident in the earlier years than she is now. Yeah, I agree. Uh, she explains to them that they had the huge fight and the cops came and her friends are like, what? <laughs> um, and... We find out that she has to go to work, but she's, like, extremely stressed from Joe. And, like, she doesn't even have her work clothes. Like, her mom has to lend her work shoes. Like, what is Joe doing? I can't. I can't with him. He, like, his reaction this entire episode really scared me. I was like, Joe used to be a scary person, like a conniving person. And I forgot about that. You know, it's so funny because I will, like, read people online say things like, well, why do you think Joe, like, doesn't hate Kale? Because they remember, like, all the terrible things that Kale did to him, like the PFA and her hitting him and her just being awful to him. But, like, I feel like people have totally blacked out on how awful Joe was to her. Like, really, really, really mean, like, in her face, like, screaming in her face, which is just, like such a like a scary type of man that will get in your face and raise his voice yeah and i'm like whoa like because joe wouldn't do that now i truly don't think joe would get in anyone's face and scream no i'm like man i am shocked you really did a 180 because i don't because i hated joe in the earlier seasons and then i kind of just forgot about it and i was like "Eh, maybe like i hated him for nothing now i'm like nope valid So we see a a scene of Joe talking to his parents, Janet and Eddie, who definitely in the team mom lure are like lore are like heroes. You know, we all remember Janet taking Kale in and how nice she was to Kale. But in this episode, I thought they came off terribly. I could not believe how much they were letting Joe, who was 19 or 20 at the time, live in their house and walk all over them. It was, I, they basically are like, so what happened with Kale? And he's like, 
you know, she admitted she's seen that guy. I feel betrayed, which is like a valid feeling to have because I think a lot of people don't realize, and Janet talks about this in one of the episodes, that when when Kale was seeing Jordan, it wasn't just like that Kale was doing it against their rules, which was not an unreasonable rule, that she was sleeping with Joe, too. Because Janet would say stuff like, well, you say you live in the basement, but I see you in Joe's, Joe's room. Like, I don't understand. They they were still sleeping together. So I understand, like, why Joe felt betrayed. But then Janet's like, so are you going to let her have her clothes if she gives you the money? And I was like, what? That's like, as a parent, you should be like, that's too far. You like, And no point during this fight did Janet stop and say, hey, this is like, well, she was saying like, this is becoming too much, but she was never just like, Joe, stop. Like, I'm going to go get the clothes and give it to him. Like, he obviously couldn't handle that situation. And I guess they were trying to like, let them do it themselves. But still, it just was like watching him like abuse Kale in front of them was so disturbing that they had nothing to say about it. There was no reason when we'll see like uh kale picks up isaac from his brother jr there's no reason kale could not have gotten her stuff then joe wasn't home he didn't need to be there to like supervise her going through her shit like there is no reason that you are ever allowed to hold people's things hostage i don't care how much money someone has stolen from you that is and she didn't steal it how much money somebody owes you like you don't get to do that like kale I don't care how bad Kale was, like, those are her clothes. And it's, it's especially sad because Kale comes from so little. And Joe comes from a two-family home where both parents have mm-hmm. jobs and cars, and he, like, never really needed to want for anything. I mean, I don't think they're super rich, but they Joe lived, like, a very nice middle-class existence, clearly. You know, I they live in, like, a pretty – they're from the Lehigh Valley in Pennsylvania, which is not, like, the cheapest place in the world, but it's – you can live, like, a nice middle-class life there, especially, you know, when Joe was growing up. So I don't think they were ultra-rich, but Joe lived, like, a nice life with decent things. And so for him, Kale, who, like, her stuff is probably all she's ever had. Completely agree. He also lived in a two-story house, so he was practically a millionaire to me. (laughs) (laughs) But that's the thing, Joe, is, like, he has no value over money, like, at that time. And I don't think they could ever relate deeply to what Kale has been through, mm-hmm. which made it really hard in that situation. Because, like, there were just so many damaging things happening at that time that was, like, the last thing someone like Kale should go through because it really, like, makes a deep impression on them. Yeah. And, like... Him, like you were saying, like, that's all she had. And him just being like, fuck you. You have no control over your situation. If I want to take the rest of the things Mm -hmm. you have, I'm going to do it. And it's just, like, such a deep power move. And I also don't even feel like that $600 was his money. I feel like it was his parents. And they didn't care enough to correct him. I think it might have been his because he was working. I remember he was working, working, like, a... He was working with his dad fixing, like, copy machines or something. Like, he had a good job, mm-hmm. but he probably had the ability to loan $600 because he lived in his parents' house rent-free. Was he giving Kale any sort of True. child support? No. But, I mean, he didn't need to because this is the first time they were living apart. But, you know, you have the ability to hand off $600 when you don't have to pay rent. 
Like that's true. I was thinking of having the lens to one six hundred dollars. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. I don't know if I could. I'm I couldn't. <laughs> I don't have six hundred dollars. I don't have six hundred dollars. No, absolutely not. But it's like that's the it, like for Joe. He's like, well, if she had said to him, like, well, my work shoes are here. I think he would genuinely be like, just go get a new pair. I don't care. But, like, she can't just go get a new pair. Like, Kale can't. Yeah. She can't afford this stuff. And it's just so sad to see Kale. I think people forget, like, especially with Kale, like, how vulnerable she was in the early seasons. Like, she was still hard-headed and very stubborn. And Mm -hmm. the reality is she made this mess of a situation. There is no reason that she had to date Jordan. I understand. She felt uncomfortable living in the house. She felt like Janet and Nettie were on Joe's side. That's all completely valid, and I can't say I would feel differently in that situation, but if Kayla had had, like, a little more maturity, she could have looked around and been like, I have a place to live, my son has a place to live, I'm going to keep my head down, I'm going to work, and I'll be out of here by Isaac's second birthday. But, because she was 19, and immature, and incapable of rules and guidance and love, (laughs) she was like, I'm going to date whoever I want, fuck you guys, I don't care about my living situation. It's so weird. She, like, in the early seasons, she was so forward with, like, her vulnerability mm-hmm. to the camera. And now it's, like, in, like, there was, like, kind of, like, a silent anger in her and, like, more vulnerable. And now it's more, like, she leads with her anger to, like, mask, like, how vulnerable she is. Yeah. She's still that vulnerable. But, like, her whole presence is, like so much harder than I, I remembered it to be. I was like, oh my goodness, she is, like, so soft. Like, her voice is, like, yes. like a, it is a literal baby. It, like, shocked me when it when she started doing her voiceover. I was like, oh my goodness, like, I forget how young they were. I mean, we, I mean, we all know they were 16, but you just, you don't think of them like that anymore. Yeah. And it, it's just, like, it, it reminds you of why this thing was so riveting to begin with as you're watching this show yeah. and you're like realizing how young these kids are mentally, physically, and you're watching them do this impossible task and like the drama that comes along with it. And they just don't have that anymore. Like they're not completely grown up, but they're like in their mid twenties now. So they don't, they don't, they won't fall into that pattern of like being vulnerable again. Yeah. It's just, it's so sad to watch kale like it's sad because you're watching her make like you feel so bad for her but you also know this is all kind of like a bed of her own making you know what i mean like there is no reason that she had to date jordan like there's no reason or she could have just been fucking him on the low and not put it on her fucking facebook that they were in a relationship but i think kale always had boyfriends Kale can't be without mm-hmm. a boyfriend to this day or girlfriend. Kale can't be a, like Kale is never alone. If you watch her social media, there's always somebody in her house, friend, significant other, whatever. Like Kale is so incapable of being alone. And it all stems back to her mom and her childhood and her deep abandonment mm-hmm. issues. And the minute that Joe was done with her, she had to go get Jordan, even if it meant that she was going to lose the very stable roof over her head. And Jordan was not cute enough to lose your house. Like, no, I mean he was not I think he even was cute. by a mile. 
he was not like, I'm going to go homeless for that boy. There's He's no like, need. Jo- I might miss a month of rent, but. Yeah. Jordan could have been the guy that she flirted with at work. You know what I mean? It didn't yeah. have to go further than that. They could have texted. They could have maybe slept together occasionally, but he didn't have to become her boyfriend. But Kale, and this is like still her problem, is that she's just so incapable of being by herself. And I think a lot of it is that she just like hates herself, you know? And so she, if she's alone, I think she's just like sitting alone hating herself. And if she's with someone else, it, you know, people always say she's like very narcissistic and I really don't think she is. I think Kale has such little self-esteem and such a false ego and that's why she always needs to be around people because she just if she's alone i think she's just like thinking about how awful she feels about herself oh i yeah i agree with that and it's so weird because she loves to surround herself with people but at the same time she like really doesn't want to be attached to people yeah like you can tell that it really scares her to be attached to people so it is it, her her relationships are very like short lived but like very intense. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like her kids are the only people that she's ever like like emotionally and like completely ever attached to. Yeah, I mean, I think it's I think she's like that with friends too. Like not even just significant others. I think she meets someone she likes, and it's like okay, we're gonna hang out every single day now. Like we are best friends now. I mean, she and Sterling met when her and Javi like went on a honeymoon, you know, like they met on her yeah. honeymoon and then they were, even though they lived like across the country from each other, they were like best friends. I really, I think Kale like loves fast and loves hard. And then as soon as you maybe buck to her or she finds the next one, like she's done. Mm-hmm. I, I think yeah. she just like, can't, you're right. I think she just can't let, she can't keep long term committed relationships and in friends too and that like that's sad too it is and it's i i think she can get past that but it's so interesting because she she thinks of herself as really loyal but she's the type of person that like (laughs) which can't actually wait yeah like i'm interrupting you because we need to talk on kale's podcast this week kale said the wildest thing which is that she was with Chris Lopez, the father of Lux, for two full years. Now, Lux was born in August or July 2017. If she was, and they, we know they were not together when Lux was born. We saw it on the fucking TV. They weren't together through like mm. any of her pregnancy. But let's say Kale's counting like through Lux's birth. That would mean they were together July 2015. And Javi did not deploy until January 2016. Now, Kale is a liar. And she she and Janelle are very similar in this way. In that Kale says things that she thinks are defending herself, but are just making herself look stupider. So Kale, there's no way she was with Chris for two years. That's just not factually correct. It is possible maybe she was cheating on Javi with Kale like a little bit, or Javi with Chris a little bit before he deployed. But what she's doing is, like, trying to make herself look less bad. And she was doing this from the beginning. When she announced her pregnancy, she, she was like, it's a planned pregnancy. And everyone was like, what? Oh, yeah. And then she's like, well, I mean, I was told I couldn't get pregnant, so it's a miracle. And everyone's like, huh? 
Like, but you said it was planned. Like, what are you talking about? And now she's doing this thing where she wants us to believe her and Chris had a serious long-term relationship when, one, Chris had a girlfriend most of the time they were together. Two, Kale basically said on camera, she's like, I'm his side chick. Like, he's with other girls. And three, it's just like, if Kale would just fucking own up and be like, Chris and I were hooking up. I really liked him. I thought we were more serious than we were, and we were careless with birth control. And honestly, it was stupid because we weren't in a serious, committed relationship. And now we're having a lot of co-parenting problems. But the reality is I love our son very much together. We love our son very, very much. But this was a bad choice. And the way that I did it was really stupid. But after my divorce, I was feeling vulnerable, and I fell into a really bad situation. If she said that, I'd be like, yeah, duh. Like, we all know that's what happened, you know? Like, she and Javi broke up. She started fucking this guy. And she got pregnant because they were careless. Like, that is so obvious to me. But Kale wants us to believe they were serious and committed and she loved him. I mean, maybe she did love him. But it's just, she keeps telling on herself. You know what I, like, nobody Mm -hmm. believes that you were together for two years, Kale. And if that's the truth, then you're telling on yourself for cheating on Javi. Girl is dumb. I just still am in shock that she had a baby. I am still like, oh yeah, you did all of that. Like every time, it just seems like incredibly dumb for her, and I'm still not over it. Same. I and I mean, she didn't just have a baby; she got pregnant twice in that year because she had the miss. Twice. That's a Janelle. Yeah, it's it's wild. I like I'm even still shocked about Amber. Yeah. And I am my <laughs> expectations for Amber are, you know, a tenth of what they are for Kale. And I was just like, Kale, what? Yeah. Now I have to like reimagine what I knew as truth in this world because I didn't think you were that dumb. I know. I know. I knew like it just it's so crazy and I just wish you would get I mean cuz who amongst us <laughs> has not been there where we were with somebody we thought we were with somebody maybe we knew we weren't with them but we're in denial like had a shitty relationship we were careless with birth control but like luckily we didn't get pregnant or we did but maybe we aborted it or whatever uh like who amongst us has not had that and i don't know why kale's like unwilling to admit that that's what happened when it's so obvious I mean, could you admit when you're in that situation? Because I know I couldn't. Not when like, I was in it, but she hasn't I, been with him for a long time. Yeah, I just wonder, like, doing that in front of TV. Like, I truly wonder, like, if that played out, would I be, like, able to say it? Like, would I sure. truly be able to admit that about myself to everyone? I just On, mean, like... And I feel like... Sorry, hmm? go ahead. Oh, no, you can go. I was just going to say, I just mean, like, she wants to have this podcast where she's, like, open and honest about her life, and she's going to, like, complain about everything and rant, and it's like, then be honest. You know what I mean? Like, you're still trying to sell us this lie. Like, Lux is nine months old. (laughs) Like, we don't believe you. Like, Oh, my God. I think she's going to keep it up, because, like, with her podcast, it's it's like her trying to open up, but it's her trying to portray the personality that she's been trying to get on TV. 
And it has not been showing up there because they always show her mad or upset. Yeah. So she's like, well, this is my way to be, like, relatable. <laughs> she's never going – she's like Sheena Shea. She's never yes. going to admit that deep denial. Like, you just got to lean in she and it gets like darker Sheena and darker. Shea. That's a good point. It's weird because they're, like, totally opposite but very similar. Very similar in, like, creating their own narrative and getting really mad if other people poke holes at, like, yeah. very obvious things. Yeah. So back to the episode, uh, Janet asks Joe if she's gonna get if he's gonna give Kale the clothes back when she gives Joe the money, and Joe's response is so infuriating to me. And he goes, "Nobody needs to worry about that. That's my issue. This is where I needed Janet to cut in and say, actually, her clothes are in my home. This is my issue. Sit the fuck down, Joe. Like she just was like, yeah, that's totally cool if he talks to her like that. I just." You know, Janet and, is concerned that they need to communicate, and she's like, you guys need to talk for Isaac's sake, but I just don't understand why they're co-signing the keeping the clothes thing. Yeah, like, no one's like, hey, like, even his dad's not like, hey, dude, no, okay, too far, too far, That don't do that shit, like, let her go upstairs and get her stuff, like, yeah. That's how my dad would have, like, if I was in that situation, he'd be like, okay, Jesse, you're being crazy right now. <laughs> go cool down and, like, go get go, your clothes because yeah. I want this shit out of my house. Yeah. Like, I don't want to deal oh with this God, anymore. Oh, my God. My parents would be like, this shit needs to go so we don't have to deal with her coming here <laughs> and calling the police. <laughs> What's like, the police get it my done parents with. would be like, oh, my God, game over. Like, no more. <laughs> yeah. Like, just turning the TV up to, like, hide the yelling. Yeah, like, like, even, okay, Randy, who we give a lot of shit for, Randy, when he wanted Adam's stuff gone, like, they repeatedly contacted Adam and, like, begged him to come get his stuff. And then they were like, we're going to tow your car if you don't come and get it. Like, Randy would never hold Adam's stuff hostage. He'd be like, if Adam showed up and Chelsea was like, you owe me $2,000 in child support, Randy would be like, Chelsea, stop. Adam, get your shit and get out of here. Like, It's true, yes. And it, it, his reaction just made no sense to me. And, like, when he when she walked in, she's like, I have your check. And he was like, it's not going to bounce, is it? And I'm like, so why rude. are you, like, poking the bear yes. immediately, like, when someone comes in? Like, it I already set money. the tone for, like, how it would go. He Like, he, the I what? think Joe knows so clearly what Kale's insecurities are. And it's security and everything that comes with security, which is money and her possessions. I mean, Kale grew up sometimes not knowing where her next meal was. Her mom wouldn't come home for days. They would have to move constantly. You know, I think people forget, like, how rough Kale grew up. And I and Joe knew this, you know, because there were, like, he saw Susie firsthand. Like, if anybody knew how yeah. Susie was, it was Joe and Janet and Eddie. So Joe had to know by, like, holding her stuff hostage. Like, I, I just can't, I can't imagine how, he, he was like Gary in that way, kind of. How Gary will, like, pick Amber's, yes. like, most deep insecurities. That's what Joe is doing. I'm so glad Joe does not do that anymore. And it's almost, watching this, like, it makes me hate Joe in a way, but it also makes me appreciate him so much more because it's, high key impressive like he never goes for kale's insecurities anymore 
ever. And he has the chance to do it a lot. Like when she'll call him over to discuss her pregnancy, he could be like, you're a fucking mess. But instead he's like, no, I know you're a great mom. Like you might not be good at relationships, but it's okay. And we'll support you how we need to. Or when he would like come pick up Isaac, when her and Javi are screaming at each other, like he never holds that against Kale anymore. And I really, it's, it is nice in a way to see Joe mature, but I do have this theory that we've seen a lot of these dads mature. We've seen Corey mature. We've seen Joe mature. Because the moms are the ones doing the primary caregiving. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. Joe was able to, like, move to New Jersey and, like, get with V and, like, be a rapper and, like, do all his bullshit while having Isaac every other weekend. And Kale was doing the heavy lifting. And I think it might, there was more time and opportunity for Joe to mature. Because he was just, like, doing his own thing and didn't have to worry about being a dad 85% of the time. That's so true. I completely agree with that. That's wild. I mean, like, you know, excusing, like, Adam and stuff like that and Ryan. But, like, yeah, most of the dads, I would say we've probably seen the biggest, like, change in them from their first appearance on screen. Like, Corey is a different person. Yeah, he, I mean, he is and he also isn't. I think Corey, I don't know. We'll get to Corey when we talk about Leah. <laughs> we can't get too off track with Corey right now. That's but, true. <laughs> but yeah, so it it is impressive how much Joe has changed. But to Joe's credit, he also waited to get pregnant with V. You know what I mean? Like Kale yeah. Yeah, had the burden of being the primary caregiver, but nobody forced her to rush and marry Hobby. You know what I mean? Nobody forced her to have Lincoln. Like, nobody and forced she rushed. her to rush to marry Javi. How long were they together before they got married? Less than a year? And then she was pregnant right after that? Like, no, nobody forced that on her. And while Joe was not doing the burden of primary caregiving, he also was, like, not rushing into a marriage and children. Yeah, they, I mean, they're still not married. I know, that's crazy. I think they're getting married this fall. Like, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I didn't watch all Bean V, so I didn't see what the date was. No. I didn't watch it. so bad. I, like, like V, but not enough to, like, really pay attention to her. She's not a star. Like, come on. Like, I like V, too, but I like one clip of V in episode. Where you're like, oh, V's cute. She's nice. But, like, I don't need to see more of that. I agree. I agree. Um, so Janet just wants them to communicate. And Joe does say, he's like, you know, if she's a good mom, I'm not going to keep Isaac for her from her. And I'm like, wow, what a saint. <laughs> what a saint. But basically, I was he, shocked that he could recognize that. Yeah, that was like the Joe we know today, like shining through. It was it was it was there, at least. Yeah. And Joe texts Kale and basically lets her know, like, you can come get Isaac tomorrow. And when you have the money, like, you can get your clothes back and it won't be an issue, which was not what happened. But we get a scene of Kale going to pick up Isaac from Junior. And I have two thoughts. Isaac looks completely different. Like, baby Aubrey looks exactly the same as she does now. Isaac looks nothing like his, like, baby face. Listen. If... I had to take a bullet for any of the children. It would be Isaac. If very much like Farah's realtor, if Kale were to die, I would without 
even thinking adopt Isaac. But Isaac is one of the ugliest babies I have ever seen. <laughs> and I'm so glad that he's really pulled through from that. And, and I have to like, I have to acknowledge it. He was an ugly baby, Liz. You have to. He was. He's so cute now. I know. I know. He was. As opposed to Lux, who is like <laughs> the most precious baby in the world. It, I mean, she's gotten better. But like Isaac's really pulled through around like five or six. Yeah. I was like, that. okay, that's all working for you now. <laughs> so <laughs> I and I, I just really wonder like what Junior is up to these days. Wait, who? Junior. Joe's brother. Oh my god. I can I forget about him always. Junior like, like raised show, like... Isaac for first year. He was always with Isaac. He he was a babysitter. Yeah. Oh, that's so crazy. I always forget Joe's not the only child. He acts like one, doesn't he? It's like Macy. I always think Macy's an only child, and then I remember she has siblings, and I was like, she has a very only child vibe, though. Yeah, she has that older brother. Yeah. Um. So Kale oh. calls Joe to talk about Isaac, and they have a, a civil conversation where she thinks she should have him Monday through Friday, and Joe would have him on the weekends. And I was surprised at how good that went. And then Kale, we find out Kale got paid, so she's gonna go pick up the money. But she's going to go see, or she's going to go give Joe the money, but she's going to see Jordan first. <laughs> Jordan is such a Girl, goofball. I don't like Jordan. That was, that was Kale's low for me. <laughs> um, They go, she like rolls up and she has Jordan hold Isaac and he has like no idea how to hold a baby. He's like holding it with his arms outstretched. Like, it's so obvious this guy is just like, what am I doing here? Like, how did I get involved in this? I know. I think about being that age and, like, being around someone else that's had a baby and just being like, I feel like there's, like, a blind ignorance about it. They're yeah. like, yeah, chill. She has a kid. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll just game with the kid. It's no big deal. A hundred percent. Joe... Oh, she, uh, they like talk about how much more kill, how much more relaxed Kale's feeling. And she's like, well, you know, I don't have rules at my mom's house. My only rule is I have to keep my room clean and like laughs. And it's just kind of sad because I, I understand like I was 19 once too. And it's just so funny, like how mature she thought she was that she didn't need any rules while making like a fucking mess of her life. Like. <laughs> Oh, it's dark. Janet it's, and Eddie had dark. such simple rules, which was just, we would rather you not date while you live at our house because we want you to focus on being in school. We'll watch Isaac when you need, like, I mean, they were probably terrified that Kale was going to get pregnant again while she was living at their house. Like, oh God, it was not unreasonable that they did not want her to date and they just wanted to her to focus on raising her newborn child like Isaac's not even a year old yet in this they're like please just chill and Kale's like "Ugh, I'm so glad I don't have to deal with all those rules anymore and it's like oh god to be 19 again 
it's yeah just all of the reasoning I just can imagine like being in that part of my life where I'm like okay my son's girlfriend ex-girlfriend is now living with us indefinitely, <laughs> indefinitely. but she's dating another guy like what yeah. do you even do as a parent like I used to think that rule was really fucked up because like I was like well that's her life like because you were giving a like a roof over her head but now I'm like oh like they were trying to prevent like the knowing draw like the known also, drama that would happen don't forget that would have been Kale's Kale was pregnant before Isaac which I'm assuming they knew like they knew that she had gotten pregnant mm-hmm. and her mom had forced her to have an abortion so well, yeah like, I can understand them being hella hesitant. Like, they're like, please just don't get pregnant again. Oh, my God. And, yeah, and then, like, what do you do? You can't put her out. Like, she's pregnant. She doesn't have anywhere to go. But also, like, oh, my goodness, that would have been an actual nightmare. Yeah, especially pregnant by somebody else, not even your son. Oh, my God. But think of how good Teen Mom would have been if that happened. I mean, yeah, it would have been great. <laughs> she would have uh, been like, like superior to like Janelle if that had happened. Yeah, it's just so funny. It Kale's like, and no rules in my mom's, and it's like, yeah, bitch, we know your mom doesn't give you rules. Like that's why your life is so fucked up. <laughs> oh God, baby Kale. Because Suze didn't give you any rules. Like that's why you are the way you are. Like Kale has never had a parental figure. No. So she's incredibly defiant, which I understand deeply. Same. I have been like peer to peer with my parents since probably yeah. age six. Like yeah. no lie. So I just have never had an adult be like, you can't do that. And I was a really good kid, thankfully. But now like I I struggle so much in my life with people that try to tell me what to do or give me rules because I'm like, who are you, um, sir? I have never been told what to do and it's not going to start at 28. And I really feel for Kale because Kale doesn't recognize that in herself and it's going to make her life really hard. Like Kale will always be defiant. Like she's, probably feels like being defiant like like makes her feel alive probably you know what i mean like it's her rush yes and like it makes sense because like i understand that and i feel like kale puts herself in situations where she can be defiant Mm -hmm. so she can remind herself of like how tough she is like yes because she's like she's just like um needed that her whole life and totally I remember she makes when I so was much 19, more sense now. I was 19 and my parents got sober, like 19, 20, and they wanted to start giving me rules. And when I was like little, <laughs> I had rules, but then like around 12 or 13, it's like when my parents got really like deep into their shit, you know, like when I probably needed rules mm-hmm. the most. And I remember being like, no, I don't think so. <laughs> like, too little, too late, guys. Like, I remember my mom was, like, trying to tell me I couldn't smoke pot in her apartment. And I was like, yeah, right, bitch. Like, I've been smoking pot in my room since I was 15. They're going to stop now. Like, get real. And, like, she would go and stay with her boyfriends. And I would just, like, smoke pot in the whole apartment. I was like, fuck this bitch. She thinks I can't smoke pot here. Like, I'm allowed to smoke pot wherever I want. And I remember, like, complaining to my best friend and being like, does she want us to drive around smoking pot? Because that's what will happen. Which, like, we did anyway because I was fucking reckless and didn't care about anybody or anything. 
Um, but I just remember being like, like, hey, like, how dare you try and tell me what I'm supposed to do? I've been doing this on my own for a long fucking time. And now you want to step in and pretend like there are rules and like pretend like yeah. you're like a guidance figure to me, which you have not been for a very long time. And I'm assuming that's how she felt about Janet anywhere. It's like, hey, bitch, I've been raising myself. Like, don't worry about it. You guys don't know what's best for me. I know what's best for me. I always say Kale was incapable of taking Janet and Eddie's love. Oh, yeah, she was. You just really, really can't switch that part of your brain off no. when you're older and, like, someone's trying to parent you. Like, it. I have so many moments when I was, like, a late teen and my dad would every so often be like, you're grounded. I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. <laughs> and then I would walk away and I'm like, you have no weight over me because you have never had a hand in, like, making sure I was having things done or, like, being like a normal parent and like i just couldn't even imagine if if i went and lived with someone else's parents yeah. i wouldn't be like i'm like uh no like sorry we're peer-to-peer i raised myself i am a parent um <laughs> so like don't don't worry about me i don't like i remember going to a friend's house and her family was like pretty normal mm-hmm. and we were going to prom and her mom was like, we were staying at our house, and her mom was like, okay, you guys, uh, I want you back for 1130. And I was like, we're 17. We don't have a curfew. And <laughs> she was like, um, yeah, I still want you guys back at 1130. And I was like, uh, okay, J.D., I'm going to go sleep at home because I'm not coming back at 1130. I don't have a curfew. Like, that's insane to me. Like, why would I listen to your mom? I am not a child. And well, now I'm I- like, oh, I should have been home at 11 30 yeah when I was like 15 or 16 I think I was 16 um my friend Allison who recently passed away who I talked about on this podcast her mom had read her diary and in it had said she had written about like smoking pot and drinking and I wasn't even mentioned in the diary but her mom knew my mom and literally one day I think my mom was walking in the neighborhood and her mom like flagged my mom down and told her oh that I had been like running around the neighborhood smoking pot and drinking, which like I had been, but I was not mentioned in this diary. And like to this day, I'm like, how dare she? So I come home from being that out. was an assumption. Yeah, but I mean, like she was, she just probably knew I was a bad kid. I think like most of my friends' parents did. You know what I mean? Like, um, so my I get home from like being out, and both my parents are there, and they like confront me about it, and I was like you guys smoke pot I was like what do you mean I can't smoke pot and my dad was like you can't smoke pot till you're 18 and I looked him right in the face and said should we call the police and ask them if they agree with you and my dad goes don't go to the fucking police to this house like it's lit down screaming at me not that I couldn't call the police to the house like now I know it's because of the amount of drugs that were in our house. But he was like, don't you dare, don't fucking talk about the police. And we had this huge blow up. But I was like, you fucking hypocrites. Like, it's not legal for any of us to smoke pot. But, like, that's how it was in my house. Like, I was like, first of all, I was not with Allison when she did that. So you guys can fuck off. Even though, like, I, I she must have written in her diary. Or I, I was the one that told out. We had a neighborhood pool. 
and I like had so I lived right behind it like you could walk through my backyard to get to the pool so my friends and I would get drunk and then hop over the fence and like go skinny dipping in the summer when we were like you know 15 and I told Allison like exactly how to the easiest part of the fence to get over like what time of night to do it like I'd 100% instructed her in this like my, I'm like I was not there but like nobody would have done it if I wasn't like okay here's what you do like, but you were definitely a Charles Manson in that situation yeah, absolutely and it's so funny because I recently found Allison's live journal and was like reading about her um I wonder if that's the one her mom read probably not because she didn't delete it. I think she read like her hard diary and I was like, oh, yeah, I did tell her how to do that. But, um, but yeah, so, like, my parents are like, you can't smoke pot. And, I like, I was such an asshole. I was like, let's call the cops. Let's see what the rules for smoking pot are. Yeah, because, like, when you have a parent like that and they do that, you're like, I'm about to call your bluff. Yeah, I and remember like, And I know how to time, do it. The first time I put together that the smell in my garage was pot, I was like, oh. Because my parents always smoked pot in our garage. Like, they didn't smoke in our house. They smoked in the garage. And I remember being like, oh, this is pot. Like, I was, like, smoking with my friends. And I was like, I started smoking pot when I was really young. But for some reason, I, like, didn't put together what, like, my parents were doing until I was maybe, like, 14. And I was like, which is still really young. But I'd been smoking pot for a little bit by that point. But I was like oh this is what my parents do and it's so funny because they kept this little box in the garage and I would always steal weed out of it and then I went to college and I came home like over Thanksgiving or something I went to like take a nug out of it we me and my friends called it the nug box and they just kept like basically like uh I can't think of the word for it but like scraps of you know what I mean like they didn't keep yeah I know for a fact actually they kept their pot like locked up they had a big safe in their room and they kept it like in a a locked safe but just like they would take you know probably like a gram out at a time and like keep it easily accessible and I remember the first time I went and the nug box was thrown away and I was like where's the pot and then I realized like my dad was getting sober too and I was like fuck fuck no (laughs) I feel like the one of the dark, like our my family equivalent to that story would be when my sister threw my mom's bong out the window, and like my mom like realized she couldn't like call the cops like or anything because like she threw her bong out the window, and I just remember in that moment being like, "We are not a normal family. Um, <laughs> this is abnormal, and I'm gonna go take a nap now." But <laughs> just like eight years old, being like. You are all insane. So <laughs> when you're just like around, like I, like I yeah. so don't think I ever thought about Kale in that way. And I always sympathize so deeply with her. I'm just like, I get it, honey. You can't like, I feel like Kale wanted to be a mom because like Sherry felt like a parent probably. Yeah. And it probably like made her feel older and well, then um, nobody could tell like, her what to do. in charge. Yeah. Yeah. Like she was the one making the rules. Yeah. So, Kale gets a cashier's check for Joe, and Susie and Kale go to collect her stuff, and Susie walks in, and she's like, Jonathan! Jonathan, I just want this to go smoothly. I love how she goes, calls Joe Jonathan, always. She's like, Jonathan? She's the whitest mom it, that's ever. Exa- I was going to say, it sounds so white. Like, I understand Jonathan is his name, but she's like, Jonathan! <laughs> 
Like, I'm like, who is Susie? Her whole personality makes no sense to None. Me. None. And Joe does his sly, like, so this isn't going to bounce when I cash it, which, first of all, we know it's a cashier's check. And if Kale... <sighs> but this is also the thing, like, Kale reacts instantly to it. You know what I mean? And it escalates the mm-hmm. situation. Like, Kale could have just laughed that off and been like, no, Joe, it's a cashier's check. Like, it's guaranteed. Don't worry. But she had to be like, no! Because she was not, like, they both, like, go, they just, like, spar. And basically just, like, I'll go get mm-hmm. your stuff. And she's like, well, no, I, I want to go get my stuff and make sure it's all there. And they get into a big blow-up because Joe is just making this so difficult. There is no reason that Joe could not have just sat down in the living room. You know, you can see, you can tell it's right off their staircase. Like, he could have just sat down in the living room and calmly sat there and let Susie and Kale just, like, take all her stuff. She would have signed the check and been out. But Joe was, I guess, acting like Kale was going to go up into his room and, like, destroy his shit. Which I really don't think Kale was going to do. She, w- I don't think Kale would ever have the balls to do that in somebody else's house. No, and I don't think he felt like she would do that. I think he was just, like, so hurt by yeah. what happened. And, yeah. like, had no ability to, like, properly like um like express that like really so he me. was just yeah yeah like i think he was really hurt that she had a boyfriend and yeah. then he just turned that into like straight anger but it was really scary yeah it was really controlling and really scary and basically he's screaming at her he's like you need to get out of my house you need to get out of my house and at one point like they're in his room and he puts his hand up and she goes don't touch me and he's like i didn't touch you And they're screaming, like, you need to sign the check. And Kale's like, be nicer, and I will. And this is where Janet and Eddie finally step in, because Joe is like, you fucking bitch. Like, sign the fucking check. And that's when Janet and Eddie are like, stop, stop, stop. And Susie's like, everybody stay calm. Jonathan! Although it is funny. No, everyone's like, no, not listening to her. They're like, fuck, you're never around. Joe like yells like you bitch and then he turns right around he goes I'm sorry Susie I'm sorry (laughs) that whole scene was so wild it's so wild because it's just so different from the way Kale and Joe are today it couldn't be any different like the last fight we saw of theirs it was just Kale screaming and Joe was like what the fuck are you doing girl like we don't do this anymore we're past that (laughs) the infamous sunday sweatpant fight where she was like filming it remember when she was like i was filming just in case i needed it for evidence and it's like bitch you were filming because you wanted this on the show like get the fuck out of here and joe's standing there he's like kale i don't know why you're yelling (laughs) like what is wrong with you Like, I don't like doing this anymore. I'm good. Like, I'm tapped out. <laughs> um, and Kale is like, he, like, Janet and I are like, calm down. And Kale's like, I'm being calm. Like, he's cursing at me. I just want to get my stuff. It's so sad. It is so intense. And, like, I just couldn't, like, w- what? Why keep her stuff? Like, why? I, and that's the thing. Like, that's why I think it was he because he was hurt. Yeah. It's Well, yeah, like, he, that's how he got her to keep coming back. Mm-hmm. And and I'm just like, to just talk. talk to her. Yeah. Like, I also think Joe was inside a good person 
which is why he knew he wasn't going to use Isaac as the tool. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. the only, like, Joe morally could not be like, well, I'm going to use Isaac and I'm not going to give Isaac back. Because theoretically, like, they didn't have a custody schedule at that point. Like, he could have just refused to give Isaac back and would have had, like, a pretty decent case. Like, Isaac's lived here his entire life. Like, my family's the one that watches him. Like, he, you know, like, would have had a pretty valid reason for keeping Isaac there in the eyes of, like, the the police officer who comes by. Like, all his stuff is here. He's lived here his whole life. Like, she lives with her alcoholic mom. Um, but I think Joe, in his heart, like, could not do that because even how angry he was, he was still like, Kale's a good mom. Like, I'm not, I'm not keeping Isaac from her. Like, I don't intend to do that. And the stuff was the the thing that he could, like, allow himself to, like, go full controlling asshole with. Yeah. I I agree. Susie says she just, Jonathan, I just don't like to be disrespected. (laughs) She just, like, cannot take the temperature of a room to save her life (laughs) because she's so used to not being, like, Rational. in reality yeah, that when she yeah. is that she's like uh uh i don't know like she just like cannot process other people's emotions so she's like not like she just needed to leave and she just couldn't get that i'm like oh god Susie, please stop talking so they get all her stuff and the one the funny moment is they're out kale and Susie are out of the house and joe says to his parents can i slam the door <laughs> very polite these are literal children that we're dealing with because he has to ask permission to slam the door because it's not his house (laughs) i that whole dynamic i am surprised that they let them live together yeah i think but like if you're if you're joe and or janet and eddie like what do you do I know. I just think about like, yeah, yeah. What do you, you do? You have to. You because she was homeless at that point. Because Isaac needs to have a safe place to live, and I'm pretty sure she breastfed Isaac. Like she's always been Isaac's primary caregiver. Joe did. Joe was never a deadbeat dad. You know what I mean. But the reality was, is like almost every parent in the world, like Joe was or Kale was the one that did the work, and. I don't think they wanted Kale to live there, but what do you do in that situation? She had nowhere to go. It's true. If I have a kid and they become a teen mom, can I send them off to live with you? Yeah. And you can make a podcast about them. You can, you can like, you can put them on a TV show. I'll let you exploit them in any Perfect. way. Just like take them at 16 and like, just observe. Yeah, I think my can I think if I had a son that got a girl pregnant, I would allow her to live there on the condition that she got an IUD post birth. That's fair. That's fair. Or got like the implant in someone else. I think I I support the rule. That would be like you can come live here, but there has to be like a non reversible birth control, like not a pill. Like, a pill is not cutting Like, uh, yeah, I'm not depending on you to take the pill again. Yeah, you're getting the arm implant or you're getting an IUD. And if you have a long-term birth control, then you can come live in my house because that way your son... Because also, if, like, he does, she doesn't live there, like, your son's not going to be an active parent. Oh, man. Yeah, that's just... It's tough. It's so hard. 
So that was it for Kale. I was riveted by her segment. Like, and I've been pretty bored by Kale. Not bored, but Kale, watching this is so much easier. And I think watching these early seasons is so much easier because we don't have, like, just the years of the repetitiveness. I agree. I feel like Kale was really interesting to watch up until, like, Isaac, probably. Like, when her and Javi started, well, like, that was pretty interesting, but, like, yeah, Lincoln, sorry. (laughs) I was like, Isaac's Um, been here since the beginning, baby girl. (laughs) No, when she had Lincoln, I feel like that was when um, it just became the same thing over and over and over and over with her and Javi, and I don't know, I just stopped being, like, relating to her, because I, I, she probably was the most relatable character for me for a long time, because, like, I just understood her, and I understood why she reacted to things, but... Now she's the most frustrating character to me, because I think Kale has so much fucking potential, but she will not get help and make herself better, and at this point, it's like, girl, you're, like, 27. Like, my, my sympathy for your childhood... She's what? She's smart enough. Like, yes. she's smart enough to know she needs help. Yeah, and she does, like, and she leans it, like, when she's like, haha, kale in the chaos, it's like, the chaos isn't funny. You're addicted to chaos because you're an adult child of an alcoholic. Yeah, and, like, that's how you, like, people like that think that that's stability. So she yeah. just, like, finds chaos to be a part of because it's, like, what she knows. It's predictable to her. Yeah, and it's like everybody with three kids has a chaotic life, but so much of the chaos is of her own making, and also just her inability to, like, really admit how much of the shit is her fault. Like, I watched one of her vlogs um, that she made, and she was like, today will just be, like, me and the three kids alone, as usual, and it's like, who who's supposed to be there? Like, who... Yeah. What do you, first of all, as usual, she's never alone, as we discussed. She is always has friends coming with her and hanging out with her kids and doing shit with her kids. But second of all, like, who, in her head, who is supposed to be the father there? Because all of her kids have different fathers and she doesn't really get along with any of them. I don't, it's just such a, it was such a weird, like, ugh, all alone, as usual. It's like, well, yeah, because you chose to continue having children with men that you were not in stable relationships with. And yes, I understand her and how you were married, but let's be real. That was like kind of unstable from the start. She like has said, literally like, from never, the start. I was like never in love with him. Like I, I won't say like Lincoln was a bad choice. You know what I mean? I think she thought she'd be with mm-hmm. Javi for a long time. She also had no idea what teen mom would become. And I think she thought Javi would give her the stability. But the reality is it's like when she says like all by myself, I'm like, but you are by choice not with the father of your children. So, yeah, they're not there. Like, you, you're you going to be alone and nobody forced you to have a third kid. Uh, and, like, even when she had her out, like, she chose to make the choice again. Yes. So it's... Exactly. It's just even a weird... when she had her out because she had... Javi was gone Lincoln and Isaac are getting old enough that it's a little easier to be a single parent. Not that it's ever easy to be a single parent, but a tiny bit easier because you don't have a newborn, you know, and your kids go to school Mm -hmm. during the day and they go to camp 
And the reality is they both have very active fathers where they spend 50% of their time. So she had the ability to like learn how to deal with that, you know, and learn how to be a single parent and not have a co like and co-parent with both of her parents, both of her kids' fathers. But instead she's like, well, I'll have a third kid with somebody who I'm not with. It's, I, I still, like I said, cannot process that she made that choice. It, I have no idea. I think the only logical thing to me is that she was having, like, she was really manic. And yeah, yeah she she's made bipolar, that although she says she's not. But she is. I mean, says most people that have been diagnosed bipolar and then don't treat it are like, like, all, all my siblings have been like, that was a misdiagnosis. Yeah. And I'm like, that was a correct diagnosis. And I don't say this to, like, shame like, I hate the phrase trap baby, but I think Kale knew Chris had a primary girlfriend and it wasn't her. And she really thought that if she got pregnant, that he would have to be with her. Like, I'm not saying she trapped him because I, I truly don't yeah. believe like anybody traps somebody into having a baby except in like crazy circumstances. You know what I mean? She wasn't poking holes mm-hmm. in the condom. Like, that's a trap baby. Like, a condom poked hole. Her hole poked in a condom. But, like, Kale, I think, made a conscious choice. Like, I really want to be with Chris, and he will not give me his full attention. And I know how I'm going to get him to give me his full attention. Is we're going to have, I'm going to keep this baby. Maybe she didn't plan on getting pregnant, but, well, she had that molar pregnancy, so obviously she knew she was fertile. But she also had a choice to not keep the baby. You know what I mean? She had a choice. And I think she thought, well, Chris will have to be with me now. I'll I wonder if what one. happened. Oh, I wonder if what happened is when she had the molar pregnancy, like he was supportive and maybe yes. like, oh, you know, like if we had that baby, yes. blah blah blah, blah. Yes. and like, get, oh like my God, mourning so with her. Right. Yes, he was probably and then her to she the was hospital, like, brought her home, yes. rubbed her back. I loved our baby. I'm so upset, and he probably what like, and she was like, oh, he wants to have a baby. And also, I think she has the thrill of being, like, his first baby mother. And now his his mm-hmm. his long-term girlfriend is never going to be his first baby mother. She's, like, like in her head, she's, like, in a sister-wife scenario. And she's, like, I'm going to be the oh. first wife. Yeah, good call. I That checks out for me. She's, like, well, I can't get him to dump this other girl. But I love him, and I want to be with him. And I think you're fucking so spot on. That when she had the molar pregnancy, he was probably so loving and caring. Because I, I mean, from what we can tell, Chris doesn't seem like a bad guy. You know, from the truths that we know. He seems fine. And she probably loved him. And I don't necessarily think he's like a good guy, but I don't think he's like an evil person. You know what I mean? And yeah. So he was probably, you're so spot on. He was probably so caring and loving. And she really let him in. And she was like, oh, yeah. I know how I'm going to be the number one girl in his life. If I'm pregnant, he has to like me the most. I mean, that is definitely like some 16 year old logic of Jesse. <laughs> like, like I have never been pregnant, but I could see him being like, well, now I'm their number one priority. And yeah. it just is like a type of logic I've used to work with. And it seems so sound to you when you have it. It just seems like, yes. yeah, of course this is, Like, I have never seen a healthy relationship, so this is how relationships work. And now, I'm like, I think about the thoughts I've had, and I'm like, 
whoa, that's very scary that, like, I thought that was sound because that's just so obviously not the case. And I feel like Kale is just so deep in that. That's, like, why her picker is bad is that she, yeah. like, doesn't understand those are really unhealthy relationships. Yeah, absolutely. So let's go on to Janelle now after a five-second <laughs> break. Okay, Janelle, Janelle, Janelle. So we picked this expecting a Janelle-heavy episode. And I would say there was like a moment of exhilaration, but there actually wasn't that much Janelle action, but it was still good to watch. I just let out the deepest sigh when Janelle's monotone voice came across explaining. Like every episode early on would be an opening where Janelle explains something crazy she just did as if it is the most sane thing she's ever heard. She just doesn't understand she did something wrong. She's like, "Um, yeah, I borrowed my mom's credit cards. I was going to pay her back. Um, So now we're heading to New Jersey. No big deal. Uh, Completely, completely, completely agree. She's like, well, I'm going to pay her back. I'm going to pay her back. I don't know why she's mad. Because at this point, Janelle is expecting a financial aid check to come in. And I'm assuming she was like, well, I don't really care about going to college. So I'm not going to pay for any of my classes. I'm just going to get an apartment. I'll be able to pay my mom back for stealing her credit card. Well, and she even says, I borrowed my mom's credit card. I borrowed them. I love when they're, they pull to the gas pump and Kiefer's like, Fill that shit with premium. Yeah. Oh my god. Keeper's such a living his best life boyfriend. Where I like I just can't Yeah. Janelle also explains it as they're they're taking a spontaneous trip. It's spontaneous. I just wonder Chris had drugs. I guarantee you, you. I guarantee you they went and picked up like a pound of weed. Oh, for sure. Like well, I wonder when, when like, the crew came and they were like, well, what are we going to film Janelle doing today? I just wonder what the situation was where she's like, well, Keeper and I have to drive to New Jersey, so I guess you guys can follow us. I'm going to take my mom's credit cards. And they were like, fuck, yeah, we're going to follow you. <laughs> like, you fucking insane person. They were also probably like, God I, damn it, now we have to go on a nine-hour road trip? Like, what the fuck? Oh, my God, they were like, um, they were like making calls in the back. They're like, look, hey, honey, I can't come home tonight. Like, we're going on this road trip with Janelle. I don't know. We just, I got to go. I got to go figure this out. Like, I can just imagine. They probably the have them live in New York. They're like, oh, yeah, this, okay. I'll get to, like, go home for the night. Oh, my God. And I just wonder, like, what it was like when Kiefer's brother opened the door and he had to introduce them to, like, the film crew. They had to kind of, like, explain who they were. Like, I just really wish I could, like, see those moments because they're probably so pure and uncomfortable and, like, like energetic. You just know Janelle's about to do something wrong. I would kill, kill to be able to see raw footage of Janelle from season like one through three. Would it can oh. we can we like I'm serious, like petition MTV like once Teen Mom's cancelled that they that, run the I raw would footage. Pay real money for that. 
I would pay up. I'm not kidding you. Probably, I pay up to five hundred dollars. I was gonna like, say I would thousand. I don't get... have a thousand dollars, but I would like open a new credit card for it. Like if they were like, okay, we'd give it to you for a thousand. You'd be like, all right, I got like, it. Let I gotta me call Citibank. Like... <laughs> let me see. I can they get send a credit card in the mail today, but... all the time. Like, let me see what I can get. I'll come back to you, but yes, I'll take you up on that. It just, she has no idea. And so, like, we get the scene of them, like, driving up to New Jersey, and they're going into the gas station. So you're getting this idea that she's using her credit card a lot, which I'm surprised Barbara didn't call her earlier because she's, like, really racking it up. Yeah, I and then, wonder if, like, her, she got a call from the bank or something. Like, I wonder how she figured it out. Oh, yeah, like, I'm just like, where is Barbara in all of this? I guess, she probably, I don't know. She probably maybe left like, at, like, the beginning of her shift, you know? And, then, like, Barbara comes uh, home, she yeah. has a couple glasses of wine. Then the next day she goes to work and needs to get gas and her fucking credit cards are missing. That's accurate. <laughs> that's true. And, like... When, my favorite part of this whole episode was when, so they get to Kiefer's brother's house, and it is just, like, the type of house that you think it's going to be. It just yeah. feels so right for where so, they're, for Janelle wait, and I want to interrupt you, because I feel like Kiefer and Janelle woke up that day, and Kiefer talks to his brother, and his brother's like, yeah, like, I could get you a pound for, like, really cheap, but, like, I'm probably going to sell it to somebody else. But if, you know, you were up here, I could give it to you. And Kiefer was like, let me see what I can do. <laughs> and he's like, Janelle, we have to go get this pound of weed. We're going to sell, like, five or, like, half of it. Then we'll be able to keep half of it. And that's, like, profit, baby. And she was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> like, like, there was a scheme that, like... And, but but Chris, you could tell, like, did not expect Kiefer to, like, show up. He was probably like, yeah, like, you could have it, but, like, you're in North Carolina. And then Kiefer, like, calls him an hour later. He's like, all right, I'm on my way. And he's like, what? <laughs> and he's like, oh, and MTV's coming. I'm bringing it in. And he's like, uh, oh, okay. Like, all right, we'll figure it out. Like, yeah. like, like the best part of this was when they're sitting down and they're talking to the girl like Kiefer's brother's girlfriend yeah, is I also there it's like they live together it's like Jana or something Shanna Jana with the J Jana of course Jana is like hi I'm pretty sure like she's like chilled hi, she, out she's dreads she's a white girl with dreads she's white dreads and I'm like oh this is the perfect person to put with Janelle because there's yes. the same type of person on different Janelle spectrum never got dreads I mean like keep it keep it because she might like you know she wouldn't now but it, like 18 year old Janelle she yeah that's true I take it back yeah she her time has passed but she definitely had it in her dna to do it but she's like the girl is talking to her and she's like so i uh, understand you have a child and janelle's like yeah and then she was like so is she with your mom and janelle old janelle does not know when to stop 
yeah. she, which is the thing I love the most about Janelle. Like Janelle, instead of saying like, yeah, she, he's with her right now. Janelle launches into her entire life story. She's like, well, yeah, she says my mom. Yeah. She says, well, she has temporary custody right now. Cause she used to love telling everyone, remember the temporary custody. Yeah. That was like her favorite phrase that she used until Jace was like six years old. She's like, my mom is temporary custody. And everyone's like, it's been six years. <laughs> well, she says, well, she says, um, yeah, he's with my mom. Uh, she has temporary custody. I had to sign over temporary custody because, um, like, like a fin- financial issues or something like that. And like, she said she was going to take me and to I'm court. Like, you know, yeah, she told me she was going to take me to court, so I had to give her uh, custody. And the girl's like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, like I can't believe you just told me that. Like, you could tell me she was just like that was enough information. And I'm just like, I. Janelle doesn't interact with other normal people or just, like, regular people. The only people Janelle's interacted with, like, for the last four or five years has been Barbara or a boyfriend. Yeah, or, so like, you Tori. never get – yeah, like, it's very limited. And, like, they did it on the flashback episode where you see Janelle talking to the other girls. And you can tell, like, how dumb Janelle is when she's around, <laughs> like – other people and i think in the early seasons you were always seeing janelle interact with several people which is just fascinating like and they need to do it more well i think barbara does that i think she got it from barbara like i think like if you come over to barbara's house for the first time she's like yeah my daughter is like a fucking junkie and now i'm raising her kid (laughs) and everyone's like "Mm, i didn't is this like a salesman yeah He's like, ma'am, I just wanted to show you this new vacuum cleaner, but I'm really sorry to hear about your daughter, and I hope that all works out for you. And she's like, Janelle! My other son burned our house down, and oh, you should see my other daughter. <laughs> that is it's true. I did not think of it in that way, but Janelle, yeah, she has had that trait, like, really early on well tori would say that like barbara would flip out on janelle like in front of tori like barbara did not give a fuck who was in the house like she was like getting screamed at like tori would say like barbara would come home and catch us doing something and scream at both of us like i think barbara is a person that does not give a fuck who's around like you're getting it yeah and i think janelle just like learned that from her like barbara doesn't have the time or mental energy to like hide anything it's true. <laughs> I just have so many memories of other friends' parents that were like that. And I'm like, oh, I feel uncomfortable that you're screaming in front of me. But also my dad was kind of like that. Like, my parents kind would of a Barbara. Sc- wouldn't scream so much. At- well, no, my dad would, like, if we were loud when he was trying to sleep, would, like, come down in his boxers and be like, you need to be quiet. But my parents would sometimes <laughs> fight with each other when my friends were over. It was so awful. Oh, oh. We'd be, like, in the basement. You could, like, hear my parents, like, screaming at each other in the laundry room. <laughs> and you're like, no, stop. I feel like I'd mine like, was always, like, go on. I would just be like, oh. But also, I think it took me a while to even realize that that, like, wasn't right. No, because it's so normal to you. Like, yeah. you're just like, they just do that shit. I don't know. Like <laughs> My parents my, scream my at dad, each other. <laughs> my dad would yell if it was, like, 
if it was a friend, he kind of toned it back and he mm-hmm. watched himself. But it was if it was like our cousin sleeping over, oh, he was like, "You're practically my child, and I will scream at you as much as I scream at them." So yeah, like, sh- well, we all, my cousins and I, all lived in the same house in the summers at the beach. So like, if you got, you would get it. Like, if you were making noise when Dave Fenley was trying to sleep, like hell hath no fury. Like. <laughs> That's like you get like automatic right to just scream at your like I could scream at any of my sister's kids. I'm like, yeah, like you're my family. I can yell yeah. at you. Yeah, I can just like picture my dad in my head right now, like trudging down the basement steps, like, <laughs> like, like in his boxers, in his and a boxers, white t-shirt. no, no t-shirt. <laughs> oh, you got that. See, my dad always had like a t-shirt that was a little too big for him because he was a small guy. <laughs> And when he came out in his boxers, I was like, Gary's pissed. Yeah. You gotta watch him like Gary's mad. <laughs> My dad would like shut like <laughs> store down the stairs, like we would usually be in like the side of the basement that wasn't finished, but for whatever reason we would like hang out in there. And he would like swing open the door and be like, You need to be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> and we'd always laugh after he left. And then yeah. he would hear the laughing and then it would it would be a, be a cycle all night. And my poor dad, I I feel bad for him now. So, yeah, I think Janelle gets that tribute from Barbara. And she we does. see the whole gang go out for sushi. And my immediate thought is like, oh, Janelle's putting this whole thing on her credit card. On Barbara's credit card. Oh, yeah. No one in that restaurant is paying for their own stuff. Like, they, they have never had sushi because the girl with treads, like didn't know how to say like tempura like a very tempura and i was like oh she's never been to a sushi restaurant before Chanel got chicken teriyaki which i deeply related to because i didn't start eating sushi even though like i grew up eating a lot of fish my dad fishes on the weekend so i grew up eating like fresh fish all the time including like ahi tuna but i i never learned how to use chopsticks i think it's part of I have, like, some hand-eye coordination issues that stem from my learning disability, which includes, like, I can't cut in straight lines, I can't draw in straight lines, and I can't, I cannot use chopsticks. I, like, can't, I, I really, I'm convinced it has something to do with my learning disability. So, I didn't want to eat sushi for so long because I couldn't use chopsticks, so I just, w- I just n- was like, oh, I don't like sushi. But now I like sushi, I just eat it with a fork and I don't give a fuck. And if anybody wants to say anything to me, I'd be like, it's my learning disability. And then people are like, mm. and nobody can ever say anything back I, to you if you're like, it's my learning disability. You need to just get that like stitched onto a bib when you yeah. have sushi. Just, <laughs> just so they know. So you can be like, I just need a fork. Okay. So I would always get chicken teriyaki. Like I didn't start eating sushi until like very recently, like within the last few years. And I like my friends and I even would go out when to this, you watch the hills, even when I watch the hills, my oh, in high school, we went out to this one restaurant. It's called Kuma in Westchester, Pennsylvania. Like we would go every weekend. That was like our spot. And like I would just get chicken teriyaki. Like I just <laughs> would, did not want to eat sushi with a fork, I guess. And then finally I was like, fuck it. Like, let me have a spicy tuna roll. And I was like, oh, this is my shit. But I love that Chris, knowing Janelle is paying for this, I'm assuming, orders three rolls. <laughs> Like, did you notice that? I did. I was like, everyone was like ordering kind of whatever. And then he yeah, she got her chicken like, teriyaki. The girlfriend got tempura. And he's like, 
I'll take a California roll. Like, he ordered three rolls, and Kiefer's like, I'll get that same thing. I'm like, oh, that's me when I go to lunch with my bosses. I'm like, I'll take this. I'll get a boat. I'll get a beer, too. Thank you. Yeah. So, as they're ordering, Barbara calls. And as soon as Janelle oh. picks up the phone, high as shit. Did you notice how high she was? Hi. Hi, hi, hi. We got Janelle. What the hell's going on with you? And Janelle's like, what do you mean? It's just like, she's just like, why are you mad right now? <laughs> Janelle's like, I'm chill. Like, I wonder if they like, just some... I, like, I bet she like took like a fucking Vicodin or something. This is when she was like, doing Vicodins and perks, but, like, not doing heroin yet, you know? It was just, like, fucking mm-hmm. on cloud nine. And Janelle took two of her mom's credit cards, which is bold. Yeah, it just, she was like, well, one might get cut off, so. <laughs> Better get back up. Yeah, you gotta have two just in case. Pretty smart, actually. <laughs> um, And she's like, you sold two of my credit cards. You have nowhere to live. And Janelle's like, okay, well, I'm going to be back to get my stuff. <laughs> Janelle's like unfaced. She's just like, yeah, duh. All right. It was fine. Cool. Bye. Talk to you later. <laughs> and Barbara's like, if you come back here, I'll have you arrested. And Kiefer's like, just hang up. Just tell her your talk later. <laughs> like, like she's just calling to want to know what the weather's like or something like they have no sense of, like, how serious what they did is. Like, they're just like, okay, whatever, bye. Yeah, absolutely. He was like, uh, tell her your caller back. Like, Kiefer gave no fucks. Literally none. I mean, well, you know, fast forward to him having um, uh, a meth lab. So yeah, well, true. It really played out for him, but, like... This is actually the part where I started to remember why I didn't like Barbara is because yeah. like Barbara is just equally as ridiculous as Janelle in the scene. And I don't feel like a lot of people think that, but just like her talking to Jace and like having a, like a really like mad reaction and like throwing her stuff out on the porch. I'm like, you guys equally don't know how to express like your feelings or handle a situation. Oh. Like you're both like, We'll get to the part where they're just screaming at each other Ugh. in every episode. I mean, that's that's what it used to be. But yeah. they're, like, holding Jace. Like, Janelle is holding Jace when she goes back to the house to get her stuff. Hold and on, wait. I, before they're... we get there, because we're gonna, mm-hmm. about to be there, uh, I just want to go. So Janelle and Kiefer leave New Jersey. It seems like they were there for one night. And you, remember, they drove, like, eight or nine hours. Like That's which far. Is, Another reason I'm, like, sure this was a drug trip. Like, they did not just drive eight or nine nine hours to, like, go to sushi with his brother. No, you're right. This is definitely, they definitely came back with drugs. And I want to point out that Kiefer is wearing his green hoodie. But for whatever reason, Janelle's blue hoodie that she's wearing in this episode doesn't get the same amount of love. But she wore that shit all the time. Oh, yeah. No, loved that hoodie. We need to have, like... That's what we should do for Halloween. We can be Kiefer, Janelle and Janelle. Kiefer. We can get those. We can oh, be those. Get those hoodies. I call Kiefer. 
I can. I actually have Janelle eyebrows, so I'll just not fill mine <laughs> in, and, and I could do it pretty well. Did you know Kiefer gave that green hoodie to like a fan? Stop. Yeah, he should like have sold that on kid. eBay. I know, stupid. But they leave New Jersey and find out, like, Barbara canceled the credit cards and she can't come home. And this is where we get Barbara packing all of Janelle's shit with little baby Jace, like, sitting on the floor. And she's like, Jace, I gotta do it again! Mimi's Mimi's packing up mom's stuff again! Here we go again! Like, screaming, like, all of her actions out. And Jace's literal baby, like, just sitting in there absorbing the screaming but having no idea what's going on. It's just, like, just a level 10 all the time. Like, all the time. And Chase is so calm. He's, like, the most chill baby while, like, Mm -hmm. the craziest shit is happening around him constantly. And she she just, like, throws the Chanel shit in plastic bags onto the front porch. I feel like what happened was the cameras were there. And Barbara was like, you know what? I'm going to fucking pack all your stuff up right now. And she took out one trash bag and then she started like filling it up. And then she's like, oh, she has a lot of stuff. And then she didn't realize like how much time it was going to take her to like actually get all of Janelle's stuff. But she committed to it on camera. She really had to follow through. Because there was, like, a black trash bag, and then at one point it changed to white. And I'm like, did she have to go and buy more trash bags? Like, <laughs> She, like, slams into her car and goes to CVS, like, comes back. She's like, I'm getting it done tonight! <laughs> um, yeah, and Janelle and Kiefer get back to North Carolina, and they go to stay at Mike's house, which is where they will end up getting arrested. Because their friend Mike, his family's a beach house. Kiefer says, like, well, they're not going to be here for another month. And makes it seem like they have permission to live there. But eventually they're told they can't live there anymore. They still are there. And that's Janelle's first arrest uh, for trespassing. And I think they had Xanax. And also they had, like, a bowl on them. So that happens, I think, at the maybe the next episode or in two episodes. I think it's this season. But they go and stay at Mike's house. And Janelle's stressing, and Kiefer's like, ah, oh, she just needs to cool down. Like, you'll be back there in a week. Like, don't worry about it. Which is true. Yeah. He he wasn't wrong when he said that. I was like, God, poor Barbara, because they figured it out. Like, they know no matter Kiefer what, she's going to take her back. Kiefer had Barbara's number. Like, he knows that Barbara's all bark and she just likes to scream and that's why he was like just hang up on her like on the phone because he knows like Barbara's not gonna do anything he's like just Barbara's not calling the police like he knows that and that's why he was like yeah steal the credit cards he knew Barbara would cancel and then he knew Barbara would scream and yell and he's like just hang up the phone let her scream at you later like Kiefer knows Barbara's M.O. that's a dangerous thing to know about people like I feel like when you know that as a kid like It really does, like, it can, you can end up getting in situations like that because, like, you realize you can push people's boundaries so much further. And Kiefer was just like, fuck this. Like, I'm going to do what I want. Yeah. Kiefer is, I think, very aware of how other people react to things. And he's, like, good at understanding that. 
Oh, I completely agree. Like, I feel like he, he knows how to take, like you said, like he knows how to take someone's number and he like uses that for his benefit. Like he, I don't think he was like, well, Keeper is a complex person, but like, I think he, I don't think he ever maliciously did that, but I think he was really good at it and knew like he just used it to his advantage, yeah, but I never, I don't think he ever like, like, I don't feel like he ever saw it like how Adam seeks out to like, yeah. destroy Chelsea like like in like no, that I type agree. of person like I don't feel like he's keepers no. like that but I do think he's like enough where he understands what he's doing and he's Keeper, like oh I'm really good at this Adam does it because he's like a sociopath and gets enjoyment out of it Kiefer just does it to like get ahead like and benefit yeah. himself Kiefer's not like doing that to destroy lives like I don't think Kiefer was ever like really out to like hurt Janelle like, Adam, I think, like, gets off on it. You know what I mean? It, like, brings him joy yeah. to, like, well, he's an abuser. He's a, he, yeah. Adam is a straight-up abuser, and after Chelsea went on to physical abuse. I mean, maybe he physically abused Chelsea. We don't know. I don't think she would ever admit it if that was the case. Um, But, you know, we know Adam is an abuser, and I think he gets joy from abusing other people. Kiefer's not an abuser, you know, he's just a bad person yeah. with a drug addiction and will is always going to put his drug addiction and his needs above everybody else. So that's what he uses manipulation for. But he's not doing because he gets like a rush out of upsetting Barbara, you know, or out of hurting Janelle. Mm-hmm. He just like is trying to get his next fix and like have a roof over his head. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Poor Kiefer. Yeah. I mean, maybe being in jail is a good thing for him. I just, I would really like to know more about his, like, home life. I know his mom would, like, talk about him and Janelle, but I don't know much about him as a person. No, we really don't know, like, anything about Kiefer as a person, but I think Kiefer's been a hard drug addict since his teens, you know, and it's Oh, yeah, like, 12. Yeah, it's very hard. I mean, my ex-boyfriend started using heroin when he was 15, you know? And it's like, how do you come back from it? But at the same time, my roommate was using heroin when she was 15, and now she's almost five years sober. And, like, is in nursing school, is incredible, but she's the exception, you know? Like, she is definitely the exception to the rule. But when you, like, start shooting dope when you're 15 years old, like, where do you go from there? I know. I knew a kid that, like, had started smoking pot at seven. And she was like, you're seven years old. And, like, I mean, I was 11. I feel like when... Yeah, but, like, seven. Like, seven you're just so a year young, older yeah. than being six. Like, yeah. that's oh, yeah, crazy yeah, yeah. that you are, you know, like, seeking that out. And, like, yeah. I feel like Keeper was one of those, like, kids, like, where yeah. you just, like, you're, well, like, he was molested, so remember? young. Janelle yeah, made fun true. of him for it, implied he was gay. Oh, yeah. oh Janelle. I yeah. feel like Janelle still doesn't understand the depth of how wrong that was. No, because Janelle, Janelle does not care who she's attacking as long as she feels like she's getting ahead. Although it's, it's not like Adam, like where she's getting joy out of hurting others. But she just, like, lashes out and then blocks it out of her memory and, like, has no memory of it and is, like, completely unable to, like, even recall it. Oh, completely. Like, that's how my sister is. And you just, you can fight with them. And then afterwards, they're like, why are you mad? 
And you're like, well, are that's you another serious? thing Janelle learned from Barbara. Her and Barb do that all it's, the time, and it's why I like kind of understood Janelle's point this season when she was like, "My mom wants to scream at me and then ask me for lunch the next day, and I don't want to do that." Like I kind of, I understood what she was saying, but the thing is, Janelle does mm-hmm. it too. Yeah, like, and she will repeat those patterns with other people always. Yeah, like, Barbara will flip out and call her the worst daughter and a terrible mother and a bitch, and then two days later, she's like, why are you mad at me, Janelle? I I can't stand that reasoning because it just, like, it's, like, reinforces such bad behavior when they just erase it, and it's, yeah. like, a really smart tactic is if you just pretend like it didn't happen like no one has the energy to deal with it anyway so they'll just yeah. go along with it and it's it's insane like they just are stuck in the cycle of them doing that to each other and I feel like yeah like Janelle realizes it but she'll still do it to her like she'll call and lash out at Barbara yeah absolutely um so Janelle goes to the house because her financial aid check is supposed to be there and Barbara's like, nope, I mean, and this was, like, kind of fucked up of Barbara. She's like, it was, it was not okay. She mails the financial aid check because Janelle doesn't live there anymore. But over, what, the course of two days, like, she couldn't just, like, but she was punishing Janelle. She didn't want Janelle to have the money. But I also don't understand why Janelle couldn't just go to the school and get it. She made it seem like it was, but I wonder if she needed to live there. To, like, get the financial aid check. I do remember there was, in one of the first episodes, there's a scene where she goes to the financial aid office. And they Mm -hmm. are telling her she can get all this money. And then they realize that she doesn't have custody of Jace. And they're like, oh, well, if, you know, like, if you don't have custody of him, like, you're not. Because once you're a parent, I think you get, like, your independent financial aid. Like, you know, when you turn yeah. 24, there the things are like either you get married, you turn 24, or you have a child and you get like yeah. that where your parents don't count. You They don't count your parents' income for your FAFSA anymore. Um, and I'm assuming it was like a situation like that. And I think um, she, I wonder if Barb mailing it back is like, she doesn't live here. And we're like, oh, well, you obviously don't have custody of your son because that's where he lives. Yeah, I think um, there was something else with that because they told her that she didn't have custody. So they're like, we couldn't do it. And then that's when Janelle started asking for custody back. Yeah, well, that's all Janelle, you know, Janelle just wants money. Um, But as soon as she walks in the door, Barbara's like, give me my credit card. (laughs) Which she's already canceled. Janelle's like, I don't have them. It's like, well, where are they, bitch? Like. Janelle's being insane. She's just like, why are you mad? <laughs> You're like, Janelle, come on. And she was just so like, much more Southern. She, her accent is, oh, it is so good. She doesn't speak so like that, that anymore. She's talking so she, slowly. Mom. Like, why? Well, yeah. Why are you mad? Like, bitch, who's you? I wonder how much money she spent on the credit cards. Uh, if I, I had like to guess. I was going to say like four, 400 with like tolls and then her buying several like dinners. Well, not dinners, but yeah. like her meals. Well, I figured she probably spent, although gas was expensive in 2009. 
gas was really expensive then. Remember, that's it was. Gas was like four dollars a gallon. So yeah, maybe closer to four because I was thinking like two dollars a gallon, but gas was really fucking expensive in two thousand nine or two thousand ten when this was filmed. So it yeah. really was like it was five dollars in Louisiana when I was in my first year of college, which was two thousand eight, which is crazy. It's not five dollars now. Gas like dropped a lot once I got sober, and I remember being like, "How come gas when I was getting high and I could not afford any gas was like three seventy five, and now it's like two twenty five? <laughs> like what the fuck? It's it's very yeah. It was like ours was after our hurricane, and gas would like skyrocket. Yeah, I would we're that. old now that we're comparing gas prices. <sighs> what a trip. Um, so Barbara is like. I'm going to call the police. Get out. And she, like, starts pushing Janelle. Oh. This is when, like, I just don't understand how people side with Barbara. Barbara, because it's such a... No one's right in this situation. And, like, people fail to see, like, how poorly Barbara is handling this situation. Yeah, she should have... I mean, all this stuff was on the... Here's the thing, like, she let Janelle come into the house to scream at her. You know what I mean? Like, oh. she could have locked the doors and just, like, waved at Janelle. And then, like, pointed, she like, your was... stuff's there. <laughs> she was doing a Joe. She was like, I have to confront her. Like, yeah. we have to have it out. Like, Barbara was, there was no way that Barbara was just not going to talk to her. No way. And she even screams, listen to me! <laughs> Janelle's like, I'm just trying to see Jace. (laughs) Completely normal. And, like, picks up Jace. And then, poor Jace. Janelle is screaming in one ear and Barbara's screaming in the other ear. The other ear. Literally, they're one head space away from one another. And that head space is completely filled with Jace. They are screaming directly into his ears. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, yeah wow like this is crazy and he's just jason's just as chill as can be (laughs) it it was a bad situation yeah and she's like you're ruining your life i let your lose your boyfriend live here and janelle's like how am i ruining my life i have a job i'm going to school (laughs) but barbara yells back are you fucking stupid what's wrong with you I can't imagine how frustrating that would be. It's like Barbara, like, hearing Janelle be like, what's wrong with my life? Like, after she steals your credit cards. <laughs> like, It's really infuriating when you're talking to someone that's done something that's really bad. And when they're, when they're talking to you, they're not taking it very serious. They're just, like, playing with something or picking a child up and, like, pretending <laughs> like things aren't happening. You're just, like whoa, like, this is bad enough that you have to acknowledge it. And Chanel's like, nope, I'm not going to acknowledge this. We're just, this is normal. Things are fine. What's the issue? Why are you mad? (laughs) Chanel, like, acting like she has no clue why Barbara is even angry is so fucking funny. It's really brilliant because then you can't, you can't fight with someone that does something like that because you just, like, I can't explain to you this situation. Like, you should just understand why this is bad and you don't. (laughs) And basically, Barbara's like, get out of my house. Go be homeless. Take your stuff. And Chanel's like, no, I'm not going to take my stuff. 
walks back it's pouring rain all this stuff is on barbara's like porch that's covered but janelle's like no i'm not taking it <laughs> and then well then, like before that happens she asks her where her check is and she's like i mailed it back and then like that's when janelle loses her composure because yeah. janelle's been banking on this money she's like fuck you i don't need you she for anything she's getting like five thousand dollars she didn't she's like i'm gonna live off of that forever and yeah. then she's like, wait, I don't have a check. I don't, excuse me? <laughs> like, Janelle gets snapped to reality at that point, and then she starts losing it. And I'm like, oh, God, I've seen this situation play out so many times. Like, because Barbara knows if she yeah. yells at Janelle enough, she can hit a hot spot. Yeah, Janelle she, will yell like, back eventually. Yeah, she's like, I know, I can, I can say something, and then you're going to react. Because, like, Barbara's, like Barbara really gets off of like yelling, but she doesn't get a big reaction from Janelle a lot. Like she gets that infuriating, like it pretending like it's not happening. But when we she got, hits wait, that we spot got it, with Janelle, Janelle, leave me alone. Iconic. Oh, <laughs> 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 I miss it. <laughs> no, so good. So- Her old teeth. <laughs> And the episode just kind of ends with Janelle, like, sadly getting into her car in the rain. But I just love that she's like, no, I'm not taking my stuff. Like, you'll deal with it. (laughs) Janelle's like, I am not bound to anything. Like, fuck you. (laughs) Kale, poor Kale just wants her stuff. And Janelle's like, you keep it, bitch. I honestly didn't even, like, realize the parallels there. But it does say a lot about, like, who they are. Yeah, for sure. So that was it for Janelle, which ugh, I just love watching Janelle and Kiefer being awful together. I um, recently recommended uh, season five of Teen Mom 2 where Janelle has um, has Kaiser and I called that the golden age of Teen Mom. But there was a bit of Janelle lost at that point and I forget how raw Janelle is this season where... Yeah, like, I mean... Never forget, like, Janelle explaining to her friend that Nathan was out on a business trip. And I was like, Nathan doesn't have a job. And then he walks into the house. He po- That's when he popped Deranged. up. There, like, when they thought he was in Atlanta. And he's so drunk. And he just, like, appears. That was during the stop it fight. The stop it moment, I think. It was that. No, the stop it was the next day. Oh, but it was during that. Called someone, but it was during that whole like saga of whatever that was. Nate being on a business trip. Oh God, <laughs> so good, so good. Hey guys, to hear the rest of this week's episode, come on over to Patreon.com/slash/EBPsychos. Thank you all so much. Have a great week. Bye. This has been an episode of Feathers in My Hair, an Emotionally Broken Psychos Patreon exclusive. Executive producers Molly McAleer and Liz Bentley. Produced by Nicole Matthews. Special thanks to Sarah DiGiovanna for our logo. Head on over to our Patreon page for more rewards. www.patreon.com slash ebpsychos. And come on over to our Facebook page for more discussion.